Welcome to Culture Factor. I'm your host, Holly Shannon. Our new season looks at creators, innovators, and entrepreneurs. Why? Because the gig economy is emerging. Talent has gone to work for themselves. Whether furloughed or part of the great resignation, they've birthed the big idea, and those 57 million Americans are contributing more than $1 trillion to the U.S. economy annually. This is what the new normal looks like. You now have a front row seat to creator culture and into the places where the magic is being made. Subscribe now to Culture Factor so your ears are treated to some of the best stories around the world. And if you take the time to rate, review, and share this, please send me the screenshot and I'll give you a shout out on my show. Please reach out if you'd like to sponsor Culture Factor. It is your opportunity to be a part of a show that is ranked in the top 2% globally and heard in over 77 countries. Email holly at hollyshannon.com to be a part of this global audience. Take me away into a secret place and you'll see the way that I can love you So hello, Culture Factor family. I have a very special creator and artist with me today, and her name is Eden Michelle. Uh, she goes by the name of Eggsta for her music uh, as her, maybe her alter ego. We'll find out a little more about that. Uh, but what's so interesting is she's she's basically a child prodigy because you know she won Best National Pianist in the Under 18 competition at age six which just blows my mind at grade seven. And she was taking her music exams at the Trinity college of music in London. And she was 10 years old, which, okay. I'm, I'm so glad everybody's sitting for this because it gets better. She taught herself guitar at age 12 and at 15 released her first album. So let me bring Eden on here. Hello. Welcome to culture factor. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute honor to be here. Thank you so much for, for visiting with us and uh, sharing your story. Uh, before I jump into any questions, I'd love for you to take us, since you uh, released that album at the tender age of 15, you've gone on to do a lot. Um, so maybe you could share with us because right now we're, we're facing down a, a top 40 hit. So there's a lot that happened in between. Could you, could you share that? Sure, of course. Uh, so basically, um, I had a, a classical upbringing and um, it led to pop rock when I turned 13, 14. I ended up writing my first song and my older brother took me into a recording studio and we recorded a demo of which um, I was fortunate enough to be offered, I would say about eight or nine record deals. Um, from that, but my family decided that we were going to do everything independently. We were advised to do everything independently um, because the deals that we were offered were those old traditional record deals with artists actually doesn't take away a lot, you know, a lot of income. So we we started an independent record label and we recorded my first album, which was called Broken Truth. And I, I released that under Eden Michelle. Um, it was very Avril Lavigne influenced. Um, I had a lot of pop rock uh, interest at that time. I was listening to a lot of rock bands like Paramore and very inspired by female-led um, rock bands. So 
Yeah, the, the first album was a pop rock album. It was, uh, I produced it in South Africa with an amazing um, record producer called John Buckley. Um, and that just, that was literally just the beginning of the whole journey of, of me creating and producing and writing. That is so interesting to me that your influence was so different at that age. And it's obviously different now you've entered, uh, into the EDM world, which I understand is not heavily influenced by females. Um, but your, your earlier, um, Interactions were music with music were based on a more female pop rock type of music. I, I remember yeah. seeing seeing Paramore. They opened for uh, No Doubt, and uh, they they were amazing. They were really good. so, and so was Gwen Stefani because she was already uh, Gwen Stefani. <laughs> I can I can only imagine that must have been an incredible concert. Yeah. So I, it, it's. It's interesting how full circle you you've covered like every genre because you started off with classical and uh, you went through pop rock and EDM. You're like running the gamut in music. (laughs) I think that that's part of your strong roots, though, right? You're able to do that. Uh, I definitely think the classical music was an incredible foundation. I mean, just understanding the theory of, of classical music and how it works. I was so fortunate enough to have that upbringing and have that as such a like important part of my life. Um, and it, it definitely influenced my writing. Um, and yeah, I think, I think at the time when I did the pop rock album, that was, it was quite a popular genre in that, uh, we, I can't even remember the date we're talking, but, um, it was very popular at that stage. Avril Lavigne was was my biggest idol, and and she um, she was kind of leading the female um, industry, especially in the pop rock scene. So yeah, I went from that, and then I think I just kind of grew into myself. I realized how much I love EDM. Um, I felt like this was the di- direction I needed to go, and um, I was challenged by my brother and my other brother to write a, a EDM song or produce it and the first one was terrible um but I just kind of developed with it and went with it and just realized what how much I love the genre and I was like okay this this works now this fits with me this is something I can literally see myself doing for the next good 10-15 years and I love this and I'm happy where I'm at now that's a really interesting uh transformation you went through and like not producing something you liked, but then realizing it's still yours. Like you still need to grow and develop there. Um, I should Absolutely. Probably, I should point out, um, you know, you don't just create the music, like you're a producer, you're a songwriter, you're a musician, you're a singer, and you're a DJ. And you've moved back and forth uh, from Eden Michelle and to Egsta. Um, I'd love to hear how that name came to be. Um, but sure. with, but within this transformation as a creator, can, can you share with us like your why and this, and the evolution of becoming Egsta? Sure. So Eden Michelle was, um, I was obviously born Eden and, and I really liked my name and I think the name worked um, in the pop rock scene 
But when it came to deciding on how I wanted to go about into the electronic dance music side of things, um, I didn't feel like it fit perfectly. Um, I kept, I, I decided I wanted to have a, a dance music name, but everyone kind of kept going to me, oh, but you have such a beautiful name. you got such a pretty name. You should use your own name. And then that would kind of make me think, oh, have I made the right decision? Did I make the right choice? Like, is Exeter not the right thing to do? And then eventually when I actually d- just decided to kind of stick to my my true intention and my true self, I, I, I felt like Exeter was the way to go. And I'm super happy with the decision because Exeter's evolved into a brand. Like the logo is an egg. And um, on the merchandise for people to wear, they can wear... Um, the egg with the eggs are riding on the sleeve and it's become like a whole little brand and culture within itself, which is so cool and, and so exciting just to be able to see that develop. Um, and then in terms of how the name came about, um, I was called egg, Eggy my whole life by my younger brother, my younger older brother. He's older than me, but he's the baby of the two. Um, he called me Eggy. It was just a nickname that I had from a young age. And then he would also call me Rockstar um, over the whole pop rock scene. And then the one day he, was, he just said Eggster and we were chatting and I just said, wow, that'll actually be such a cool name in the EDM side of stuff. Because I mean, you've got your Zed, your Skrillex, Avicii, you know, all of these top DJs and it kind of just fits and it, and it works. And yeah, like I said, then the, the moment I actually decided that that was something I wanted to stick with, I have now and I'm, I'm very happy with my choice. Well, I didn't realize that you had uh, so much branded merchandise already. So I'll also add that to the show notes for, for the culture factor family so that they can get some cool gear uh, from, from Exta. That'd that'd be really cool. So uh, another, so I've downloaded Bay before anything else, which is your, your top hit. But um, I'd love to understand the creative processing around adapting your work to be EDM. Um, And the song you have out there now is not EDM. So um, what do you have coming down the pike into Spotify that people could download? Sure. Um, So to answer your question with regards to the creative process first, um a lot of the time because I play piano and guitar I end up writing the song on guitar or on piano um I wrote Bay while I was sitting in a beautiful garden in Surrey in in England and um it was originally supposed to just be an acoustic track and we've actually taken this the the record now and made an acoustic version of it just to kind of give you an idea of what it was intended to sound like but I just felt at the time that this would be such a, a good song, you know, to have a bit of an EDM beat and, and be very pop um, in its sound and in its production. So that was kind of the direction that I went. And then um, I originally recorded the full vocal for the song. And I just felt like this would be a really great duet and a really great collaboration. So it was pretty much a no brainer to get a voice like Lee Cole on the song. Um, and I, yeah, that was really, really fun. And then to answer your question regarding, um, what was the second one? Apologies. <laughs> no, no problem. I asked too many questions at once. Um, so no problem. At, 
the the song Bay is not one of your EDM tracks, right? It, it's yes. it's more top forty. So, um, what songs are you uh, bringing bringing into Spotify that would be more of that genre? So we can guide people. Like, what songs should they download like right away? When when is that that one going to be available? Perfect. Uh, so. Um... Everything will start being available from, I would say, January 2022. Um, I've got a lot of new content. I ended up spending most of 2020 in studio because we weren't obviously able to perform live or tour, um, just creating content. So I made um, 30 songs um, and all single, all those singles are basically ready for release, which is really exciting. And I'm just dying to put it out so that people can actually hear so we've just we've had to obviously put a bit of a release schedule together, and the first one the, uh, the first one will be coming out um, in January next year. Um, but yeah, I, um, to answer your question, I think Bay had obviously more of a pop feel. It still does kind of work within the EDM side of stuff. Um, it's not necessarily like a raved sort of track, but I think what's great is that songs like that can develop into more of an EDM sound, especially if you get other DJs making remixes of it and everything. Um, but it was just important for me, especially with the first release, to make sure that it was something that that would bite on radio and that would have a bit of a commercial sound so that I could start growing my audience. And obviously, as we go and as we progress, my sound is going to get a little bit harder um, a little bit more electronic. Um, and then obviously I'm, I'm always going to continue to make acoustic versions of the songs so that it's easy listening and people can enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I would say, I would say there's some really, really cool ones coming out. Uh, I don't want to say names right now because we may actually decide to release a track that I'm, I'm thinking would be perfect right now or in January only in a year's time kind of thing. But um, I can say that they're really exciting and um, and I'm, I'm so stoked to be putting them out. I can't wait. I can't wait either. <laughs> I, I'm so into music. Uh, I, you know, I actually want to go back a little bit because I think um, the listeners would really find it interesting to understand um, maybe that emotional side you went through. So, yeah. You were touring in 2019, if I read correctly. Yes. And then obviously you were in uh, lockdown in 2020, uh, where you went into a deep dive in your in your creative process. Um, you know, I've I've seen some videos. You know, like we saw, you know, Taylor Swift, for example, when she went into lockdown, what that looked like for the creative process. What yeah. was that like for you? Because you said there was like 30 pieces that were born of that time. That That's pretty intense. What, what did that feel like for you to be like on tour, surrounded by so many people and all of that energy, and then going into lockdown and producing such a body of work? Can, can you go deep for me there? <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh, that's such an interesting question. And I think it's it's such a cool question because every artist will have a bit of a different experience, obviously, of, of what they went through. I think for me, um, the tour we did was quite short. It was nine cities in 14 days, but yet very um, exhausting at the same time because it was 
literally getting on the train, getting off the train, getting on a flight, getting off the flight, performing, going to bed, waking up two hours later, back on the next flight, you know, so it was, it was a high intense sort of um, two weeks. Um, and then I think more than anything, lockdown was obviously just so unexpected for everyone in the world. So it really, it tested all of us mentally to kind of move forward and figure out how, how are we actually going to make this work? You know, and, and for me, I think the hardest part and the most intense part was that it's, it's practically impossible to feel inspired and excited to write music when you trapped in four walls. Um, and yet I managed to even write a song about that, which ended up working, you know, towards the end, but it's very, it is, it was very intense. And, and what I think what helped me was what I would do is I would record five voice notes every day. And no matter what the idea was, even if it was just a melody line or some lyrics I had in mind, um, or what I would say for the drop, like something catchy that I think would work. And I did that solid five voice notes a day for six months. And thereafter would go through those voice notes and see kind of what would inspire me on that day, get a bit of a vibe, get a bit of a feel of, of, of what I was enjoying. And then I'd end up writing a song that day for it, but it was very difficult. It was, it was very hard to be creative um, because part of the inspiration as an artist is traveling and it's meeting people and hearing stories and interacting with human beings. You know, that's, that's what gets us going as creatives. So, but, but at the same time, I think the diligence and being forced to actually like sit down and create was, was interesting and, and I got through it. So it was something to kind of feel proud about, you know, this year and go, it, it, we did it, you know, we did good. Well done. Um, but I think also something um, just from my perspective that was super difficult was I have spent the past six years traveling nonstop. And in, in between 2018 and, and the beginning of 2020, I visited about 50, 50 or so cities. So being grounded, and I'm using that like, excuse the pun, to have to be forced to stay um, in an apartment and also not be able to travel and see my family and go see the world and stuff was was really challenging um, but I think it's I think we all got through it and we can all get just get excited now that we can start traveling again and and I can perform again and I'll show the the music that I did create in that period to to everyone around the world hopefully that's a great story I I love that I I feel that um, being able to create under stress is um, very humbling, you know, to be, able to, to be able to innovate during a, a time that's so difficult um, and to grow in some way, shape or form. It's very humbling. Uh, that's so I, true. The way you've just explained it is perfect. It, it was a, a humbling year. And a very yeah. humbling experience. Yeah. The um, I I love that your process is very much like a writer that you show up every day. You showed up every day to put those five notes down, those five voice notes down. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I think an author, for example, looks at 
a blank sheet of paper. I think somebody who wants to create a piece of art faces down that blank canvas, but you put in the reps and, and I, I'm assuming that sometimes like light broke through and it, it inspired your creative process where some days you probably want to just fling the guitar across the room. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, I think there were days where I would kind of procrastinate and avoid the five voice notes and just try and um, wash dishes or keep busy or do something other than <laughs> like be creative because it was so challenging. And uh, and that's also another part that's really hard is you record this voice note. And even though you may have a melody line that could be cool three or four days later, at the time that you're recording it, obviously imposter syndrome kicks in and you're like, what is this? This is terrible. Why am I even actually putting this down on a voice note? You know, And then, like I say, three, four days later, you're like, actually, that's not bad. I could maybe use that at a later stage kind of thing. But yeah, I think it's like um, that that amazing speaker, Simon Sinek, says you got to just brush your teeth. Like if you just brush your teeth once and leave it for seven days, it's not going to be great. You know, you got to show up and brush your teeth every single day and then you'll have perfectly clean, perfect teeth, you know. So it's kind of the same thing. And I had to just force myself to be diligent and keep going. You know, did, did you find yourself um, channeling your your inner Avril Lavigne? Like, I feel like you probably had those moments of like angst where <laughs> you just wanted to like rock out. Um, did you find like going back to some of your roots, like either the classical piano or some of the artists that inspired you, did that help move you forward at all? Absolutely. Um, and what was cool was that even though, I didn't end up using obviously all of the voice notes because there were far too many. I I ended up writing piano pieces that are just l- strictly instrumental. Um, I will always, there's something ingrained inside of me with rock music um, and I still write rock music, even if I don't necessarily use it or release it as extra, um, it still comes out of me somehow. Um, then there's, then some days I would literally just sit behind my laptop and produce a hip hop beat. And I'm like, well, I'm never going to use this, but at the, at the end of the day, it's also just about like opening that tap and just letting it flow, you know, and like letting, letting the bad water come out, but then eventually it will be crystal clear, you know? I agree. I think it's really cool to, um, incorporate different genres of music, um, or, if you're an artist in another type of way um, to incorporate in different mediums, because by pushing yourself, even if it's a little bit uncomfortable or it feels like you're wearing somebody else's clothes for the day, it informs your work somehow. Do you feel that when you, when you take on say hip hop and maybe it doesn't feel like you're wearing like your shoes or whatever, but it does something to your music. Absolutely. And I think there have been times where I've made like a hip hop beat and then I've ended up keeping the bass line, for example, and using it in an EDM production. So it always kind of turns it. I always make it work. If, Like I say, if I write a really sad ballad that um, has meaning and and, uh, meaningful and deep lyrics, then I can end up actually just putting the production behind it in order to enhance it to the level of it being something that's in the EDM sound. So I, I definitely think whatever comes out 
was kind of meant to come out and it all actually just correlates together eventually well said i'm often asked does my business need a podcast my answer is yes that nothing else is the fast track into thought leadership and being established and seen as the expert in your industry as podcasting. What's increasingly evident is that it's a branding machine. It kicks doors open for you to have conversations with leaders. It creates a pathway to partnerships and connections on a deeper level. You will not be your industry's best kept secret. Your ideas and business will have global reach. So step into your power. Go to hollyshannon.com to launch your podcast now. And now back to our interview. I actually have like a left field question. Um, You know, in thinking of, you know, MP3 tracks and all the new music you're coming out, are you dabbling at all into the concept of an NFT, like which is a non-fungible token? Because I understand, of course, that art can be produced um, you know, a, a JPEG uh, essentially minted into an NFT. But I know there's a lot of uh, people in music looking at audio tracks uh, being minted as an NFT. Are you looking to go down that road or is this too left field of a question? No, absolutely. Um, I actually made NFTs about uh, nine, 10 months ago which we are planning on putting out next year. Um, I, I have two very, very talented brothers. Um, my one brother is, he actually created a, a video, well, it's a, a gaming platform and he launched a drop of NFTs um, about two or three months ago. And he sold out literally within the first, first night of, of, the, of his drop. It's called, it's a, um, his website's enemymetal.com and the company is called Enemy Metal. And he basically makes like NFTs in the gaming space. And my other brother um, works very closely with him in creating NFTs. And and he said to me, Eden, you know, it's very popular at the moment. Um, This was when NFTs basically just launched. He said it's very popular at the moment that especially DJs and producers in the dance side of things are making NFTs. Um, So we we created a whole series um, and I'm definitely going to be considering putting um, NFTs to like uh, visuals to the songs that I release. Um, and I've been doing a lot of research. It's something that really interests me, the whole crypto world and, and, and NFTs. And um, one of the, the DJs that I follow, his name is Blau. Um, he created a, a company called Royal. And what they basically do is they sell a share of royalties to the fans. So, the fan, the fan will basically buy this NFT and own a cut of the royalties in perpetuity of that of that song's lifetime. And I love those type of concepts. I think it's so innovative. I think it's so exciting. And it's and I think we're just going into like this whole dif- digital world and this whole new era of of a way for people to even just create, you know, and create more. So. Um, obviously because I've just released my first song, I, I want to grow my audience a little bit and get a bit of a fan base going, but, um, NFTs are definitely something that are going to be like a very, very important part of, of my sort of growth and, and, um, me as an artist, my brand as an artist and everything. And, and the egg logo is, it's amazing how much we'll be able to play with it. 
that would be really amazing to also see you transform your egg into NFT art. Uh, Absolutely. That can be bought alongside it or maybe gaming, you know, set up some sort of gaming alongside it. Uh, I'm sure your brother has a million ideas. Yeah, they, 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 their ideas are endless. And I mean, that's what's so exciting is it's like, you know, I'm, I, when I'm busy folk and focused on the music, they, they're like coming up with ideas of ways to, to create NFTs with my music. So I'm, I'm really fortunate to have a little circle of support, you know. It's tremendous. I wish I had that circle. Uh, yeah. I, I would love actually at some point when you're ready to go through that, um, I don't know if you'll be available at that point or maybe alongside with your brothers, I'd love to have you all on and we can talk about the process of creating it creating your music or your brand or your art in some way as an NFT. Um, and we can, uh, again, we can put in the show notes how uh, people can, can go bid on your work or be become part of your creator economy in the blockchain. I think it'd be really Absolutely. fun. You tell me when, Holly, and it's a date. <laughs> yeah, let's definitely do that. I, I think I'd love for you to go through the process somewhat with your brothers and have something built out, whether it's a song or it could be more than one thing. It could be like music. It could be your um, merchandise in some way um, or an experience like, um, you know, a, a, they get a, a piece of something that's alive, but it's just for your fan base. Um, I don't know. We'll, let's play sure. with it. Let's have a, another conversation later on culture factor. I think it'd be really interesting to have um, my community see the evolution of you as an artist and, and all the different directions lanes you're taking with your work, because I think That's other people, I think other people are looking for that, right? For sure. For sure. And I, I know that they'd be both down to do it and very excited. So We'll make that happen. Excellent. So you have music coming on on board in January of 2022. So um, we'll be maybe making some announcements along the way to remind people to circle back to that. And we'll have another interview, apparently. And mm -hmm. um, probably my, one of my last questions might be, do you think there'll also be a tour at some point? Are you allowed to travel yet? I, I know you're in a different region than the US, you're in South Africa, right? Yes. So I will be allowed to, to travel. Um, and my idea for 2022, which I'm busy planning at the moment, is a um, in, some intimate shows. So some smaller intimate shows um, around the US and around Canada. Um, because in 2019, I did uh, Europe and the UK. So I'd love to just kind of come and I've been to the States, I've lived in the States. Um, and I but I've never been there over the summer. So I'm really excited to to kind of plan it over that period and, and experience the States in a in a nice warm environment. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. Do you um, do you have any cities? specifically in mind that you might be uh performing at uh i definitely think i'm gonna try my best to to do the the ones that i'd done before which would obviously be la um i would love to go to texas again 
and perform there. I just find that there's an amazing reception there. Um, I had a lot of fun performing in New Orleans, so I'd love to to go there again. That's but there are a lot place. of yeah, I loved I love being there. I love the culture. I love the people. And I, I think there'd, there'd be a few I'd like to tap in. But if you have any suggestions, please let me know, because I'm sure that there's a whole community of people in in some of the smaller states that that are um, mad about music. And I would love to go visit those those uh, cities. So I'll yeah, actually de- take your yeah, advice. <laughs> definitely. Well, I without a doubt, New York City um selfishly cool. i'm going to say washington dc <laughs> but there's a lot of music yeah. uh this way as well um so yeah there's a little bit so we'll definitely chat and maybe i can help you with that uh with the planning of that It'd be really cool to 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 do something with you It'd be fun thank you so much i'd love that that'll be awesome this was really great eden i really enjoyed our time together i, I think uh the Culture Factor community has learned a lot about you today. I'm oh. really happy. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, thank you for your questions. I really enjoyed your questions. Um, it was nice to dive into some different questions. Um, and yeah, thank you for having me. I look forward to being on you again. Excellent. Well, I'm going to uh, tell our listeners to continue listening. Don't shut this off because we are going to attach uh, your latest track, Bay, which stands for Before Anything Else, which was your collaboration with Lee Cole. Yes. All right. Thank you, Holly. That was a wrap. Inseparable from the start, impossible to part. Keep me in your pocket, and I'll keep you in these arms. Look into my gaze, and I'll look the other way. Cause I just can't contain my smile It's driving me insane Take me away to a sacred place And you'll see The way that I can love you like You love me I'm just not the time to taste But with you There's so much I can't explain I can't explain